So we're continuing uh, going through all of Scripture, talking about the thread of the gospel and how it connects everything in Scripture uh, from the beginning to the end. And so tonight we're going to be in uh, for, or 2 Kings and in 2 Chronicles and in Romans. Those are the three different places we're going to be. Um, 2 Kings in, we'll be in really briefly, 2 Kings 17, uh, 1 through 6. Um, and then we'll go from there to 2 Chronicles. Second uh, Chronicles is the very end of it, uh, verses 11 through 21, uh, if you want to look at those two spots. Um, but to kind of catch you up, so we'll be talking about the nation of Israel. Uh, all of Scripture uh, is, is full of really the same story that God pursuing his people. And God loving his people and pursuing them, pursuing them constantly, time and time again even though they choose to run from him and, and his best for them. And so involved in that sometimes is punishment. We're going to be talking about that tonight, punishment. Um, even when you hear that word punishment, you probably have thoughts that come to you. Um, so think about that for a second. Think about any time that, that comes to mind to you of when you've been punished for something, okay? Whether that's at home or at school or whatever, any kind of punishment that you've received. So I think of a couple different ones. Uh, when I was in kindergarten, one punishment that I remember vividly, which is funny, the things that you remember, uh, I remember I, for some reason, liked to, uh, on the bus ride home from school, uh, crawl underneath the seats. I don't know why. I mean, it was really dirty down there. Uh, I, I just like to like cruise around, crawling around underneath the seats, and I remember my bus driver telling me to stop, that she caught me one time. Uh, like, you know how bus drivers do when they look up in that big mirror and then they yell at you. If you've ever been on a bus and that's happened, I don't know. Uh, but so she warned me once. But then I continued to do it. I was like, she just caught me that one time. She won't catch me again. This is a big deal back then, right, of crawling under seats got me in big trouble. Uh, so I was crawling under the bus seats again one day. And the bus driver caught me, and she had me come up to the front and sit in the front seat. And she took everybody else home. I wasn't usually the last person on the route, but today I was. So she took everybody else home, and then my bus stop was actually like the corner uh, of the street that I lived on. She bypassed that and just went straight to my front door, like parked right in front of my house. I was like, oh, gosh. Uh, I was just going to be like, well, I'll do better. I promise to see you later. She walked me out of the bus up to my front door and then uh, told my mom what had happened. And I was like sitting there like, oh, gosh, this is horrible. And in my mind, I'm already hoping. So I'm, I'm already busted, right? So my hope in my mind as I'm like sitting there looking at the ground and this bus driver's really angry and she's telling my mom what happened, uh, my hope is, okay. I hope mom just takes care of this right away. Um, I hope mom is the one that spanks me because when mom spanks me, you can tell she's not like, her heart's not in it, you know? Uh, I watch this when Lauren does it to my kids. Uh, her heart's not in it, you know? It's like one of those where you're like, you're like, I remember looking at one point like, that was it, you know? Uh, my kids look, I see that look on my kids' face before. Um, like, that, that's all? Okay, cool. So that's like what I'm hoping for, right? So as we're walking in the door, as the bus driver leaves, 
uh, my mom says, you, you, you just wait in your room until your dad gets home from work. And I was like, can this just be like between me and you, mom? Like, you know, can we just keep this one between us? And she said, go to your room now. I'll, your dad will deal with you when you get home. And I was like, oh, gosh. Then you're sitting there for like, I mean, school's done at what, like three? My dad probably didn't get home until like five. So you got like two hours just to be in fear, you know? That was probably even the worst part. Um, but then, of course, my dad punished me. Uh, punishment at that point still was a, uh, was a spank on the bottom. Uh, and that from my dad hurt a whole, whole lot. Uh, he did not seem to have a problem uh, spanking. And so um, that was a punishment that I still vividly remember. And so it stuck with me. I tell you what, I never crawled underneath those seats again on a bus. Still haven't to this day, you know. Uh, might get the urge now, but I just don't do it. Uh, so that's one punishment that I remember in my life uh, that hurt. Uh, and again, I was warned a few times and, and uh, didn't listen to that. Another punishment that I think about, uh, I went to a school that was a private school. And so we had a uniform. And part of our uniform, so it was like khaki pants and a polo shirt. Uh, and that your shirt had to be tucked in at all times. And if, you weren't, if it wasn't tucked in, then you'd get in trouble. Uh, and so the first step of getting in trouble was like a slip of paper called a demerit. Uh, and it would like say what your offense was, right? And if you got enough of those, then you get detention. And so I just remember that being a, you know, I don't know why. The easiest thing to do would just be like, hey, tuck in my shirt and just like follow the uniform guidelines. But as people, I think we just, we like to go our own way, you know? And so I would like go with an untucked shirt, like try to pretend it was tucked in, like fold it under, but not really tuck it. I'm like, it doesn't make sense to me now that, like, why wouldn't I just tuck it in? Uh, but then it's like, I'm going to do whatever I want, you know? Uh, and then you get in trouble enough, and then you go to detention. And then I think of, when I, when I think of punishment, I think of my kids now, right? So I have five kids, um, and our oldest is seven. And I think about um, how many times that we warn them about things. Uh, we warn them about lots of different things. Um, one rule in our house that our kids know is that people should mean more to you than things. And so if at any point that our kids are showing by their behavior that they care about things more than people, that they care about their toys more than they care about their brother or sister, then they lose that toy. And I'm not just saying, like, lose it for that day. I'm saying, like, it gets thrown away. So there's times, like, balloons are a big cause of uh, of sibling problems uh, for some reason. I don't know why. And they all like would have their own balloon and then one pops and then they go and try to play with their brother or sister's balloon and then they're fighting over a balloon and then guess what happens? That balloon gets popped right in front of them and thrown in the trash. Uh, because, and they get warned and they, get, and they know that and they know that time and time again. And a lot of times we'll be like, hey, it sounds like you guys are fighting there. Work it out and be kind and be calm and, and be kind to each other. If you don't, then you're going to lose that toy or whatever it is you're fighting over, right? So again, the rule that they know and that they hear and that they do get multiple warnings time and time again is you need to care about people more than you care about stuff. And so we're going to help drive that home by if you are showing that you care about that thing more than you care about your brother or sister, then we will get rid of that thing. Uh, and so there have been many toys thrown away in our house. Most of them are like not even worth a dollar. Um, and FLARP was one of them if you were there at groups last week. I uh, had to throw away Ellie's flarp because she didn't obey and listen to the warnings that, hey, if you get this all over the house, 
uh, it's going to get thrown away. And so she got it all over the house, and it got thrown away. Punishment, right? We've all experienced it on some level. I think I would say all of us probably have experienced that, where you get warned time and time again, and you get some chances, and then you still go your own way, and then the punishment happens. Uh, this is where we're at with the people of Israel in uh, the scripture that we're talking about tonight. So, again, rewind to the very beginning of scripture. Uh, God makes people. We have a perfect relationship with him. Uh, people sin and go their own direction. Uh, and ever since then, sin has been a part of the world. Uh, that's Genesis 3, where it enters into the world, where they're, they're given a choice and, and they choose their own way over God's way. God says, don't, don't eat from this tree. You can have anything else that you want. Don't eat from this tree. If you do, uh, then there's going to be a punishment for that. And they were told that, they were warned that, they got to talk with God and walk with God, and they had a good relationship with him with no sin interfering, and they still chose their own way. Uh, fun fact, because, well, this isn't fun. Um, sin equals death, right? The wages of sin is death, if you read Romans 3.23. It says the wages of sin is death. So the uh, consequence of sin is death. Uh, Kyle even talked about this this past Sunday, that once Adam and Eve sinned and sin was brought into the world, death happened. And then you see that right away that God pursues his people and tries to fix the problems that they made. Uh, and, and the first thing that he does to show that he's going to fix this ultimately is he kills an animal and he covers Adam and Eve uh, with the skin of an animal. Uh, and so they're hiding. Uh, once they figure out they're naked, they hide behind some plants. They make some fig leaves to cover themselves. But God kills an animal, so through death, because the wages of sin is death, through death he kills this animal and then he covers them, which is meant to point us to Jesus eventually. Like that's the whole point of that in Scripture, is it's pointing us to Jesus when Jesus is going to die and he's going to cover sin and death for everybody. But so the fun fact is, in case you've never heard this, um, before Adam and Eve sinned, when it was just, uh, before sin entered into the world, everybody was, they were vegetarians because... The only, reason, the only way to get meat is death. Uh, and so everybody, they were vegetarians before Adam and Eve sinned. So just know that. Uh, it's a fun fact. That one's free. Um, and so they, they sin. Sin enters the world. The wages of sin is death. Um, and so people no longer live forever. They, they Physically, there's death, but there's also separation from God. And there's this constant battle from Genesis 3 through the rest of Scripture until Jesus comes of God pursuing his people, them running in their own direction, God pursuing his people, them running in their own direction, even after Jesus comes. Uh, God pursuing his people, them running in their own direction, and him continually pursuing them to show them that he loves them and, and try to get them to go his direction because it's the best direction. Uh, and they keep, they do that for a little while, and then they go back their own direction, do that for a little while, go back their own direction. So you see that with the people of Israel. He makes this group of people, uh, the people of Israel, and they are meant to be set apart and look different from the rest of the world that would point other people to Christ, point other people to God. Um, so the people of Israel are meant to live in a way. He gives them the, uh, some rules to live by, um, the commandments, so that they would, if they follow these, they will look different, and they will let other people, by the way they live their life, uh, they will show other people who God is and bring more people to the saving knowledge of who God is. 
Like that was the whole purpose of the people of Israel, of them being God's chosen people. Um, and again, throughout all of Scripture, throughout all the Old Testament, all the stuff that we've been through all last year when we were going through it, um, they would go after the direction that God wanted them to go, and then they would veer off of that, uh, and then he would correct that, and he would help them, and then they would go and follow God again, and then they would go their own way again. Uh, and it's this constant pattern of, of up and down. It's the, what, the song that we just sang. It's running in circles. And what I hope you see tonight as we go through this is that whenever you read about Israel, whenever anybody's talking about Israel, God's chosen people, it's also talking about you. That there's a direct relationship that we have with them, like those people who God was speaking to and showing miracles to, the parting of the Red Sea, feeding them food that came from heaven, uh, providing water out of rocks, all these things that they saw him do, all these ways that, that God spoke to those people, and they're following him, yet they still have these times when they go off on their own direction and they, they want to go their own way. But that's us. Like God speaks to us now. God does things in our lives. God, God does miracles still. And people see that. And yet we still choose to go our own direction. Uh, but there's a big difference between the people in the Old Testament and, and us now because of Jesus. And so that's what we're going to point out uh, tonight. So where we're at in the, the nation of Israel, this group of people, uh, God had brought them to the promised land. Uh, he had told them that he had a land for them that was going to be uh, overflowing with everything that they needed. And so he, they, eventually they get there. They're in the promised land. They're in this land that God had for them, uh, for his people. Um, and in that, they actually can't agree, and they start fighting, essentially, and they split into two kingdoms. Um, and there's a northern kingdom, and there's a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom is called Israel, uh, and the southern kingdom is called Judah. And so because they can't get along and they are going their own direction, um, instead of following God's plan for them, they split into these two kingdoms. Uh, Israel and Judah, and it says that Israel had no good kings, so all the kings that they had were bad, which means they were just, all, every king that was leading Israel, um, they would go their own direction and not the direction that God wanted them to go. Judah, out of all the kings that they had, they had eight good kings uh, that would actually follow God and, and run after the things that he wanted them to run after, but the rest of the kings were evil as well and did whatever they wanted in, in their own sight. Um, so that's the two groups of people, Israel, Judah. Uh, the prophets come. So there's, there's people that God uses to speak through. And he told them to go to these nations, the people of Israel and then the people in Judah. And he sent prophets to them to tell them, hey, if you don't go this direction, the way that God wants you to go, there's going to be punishment for that. So they, the prophets were sent to warn these two nations that punishment was going to happen if they didn't follow what God wanted for them. Again, it's not because God is an evil jerk. It's the same thing that I think about when I, when, I, when I punish my kids. I don't punish my kids because I like to see them hurt. That's not who I am. Why do I punish my kids? I punish my kids because they need to understand, like, going the direction that we have for them, like caring about each other more than caring about stuff, is a really important thing for them to understand. I don't want them to care so much about stuff that they're mean to the brother and sister. I don't want stuff to be so important to them that they would treat their brother and sister however they want because of this thing that's more important to them. And so am I willing to, to punish them so that they would understand that? Yes. 
Why? Because that's better for them. They might not fully agree with that right now and not fully see that right now, but that is far better for them to love each other than to care about something that's going to burn and not going to last anyway. And so I want them to understand that, and I'm willing to punish them if they don't listen so that they will understand that. I love my kids, and I do not want to see them unhappy. I don't like it when we have to take those things and throw them in the trash. It's not like I laugh when I do those things. It's not funny. Uh, I don't like to see Ellie's sad little face when I had to throw her flarp away. She was so sad. It was pink, and it made a fart noise in the, in the container. It was really funny, yeah. And she was really sad when I threw it away. I don't like that. But it's far more important to me that she would understand that things are not more important than people. That she would understand that, that she would see that, that my kids would get that. And sometimes they get punished to show them that. When you read about what God does, sometimes he has to punish his people to get them to understand. He was kind enough to send them person, uh, some people that would tell them, hey, go this direction, do this. And he, they spelled it out for them, like as a nation, go this direction, make these decisions, go this way. And if you do, it will be good. But if you don't, you're going to get punished. And so they kept not listening to the people that he sent. And so guess what? They get punished. So 2 Kings 17, 1 through 6, it says, In the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, Hosea, the son of Elah, began to reign in Samaria over Israel, and he reigned nine years. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, skip down to verse 5. It says, Then the king of Assyria invaded all the land and came to Samaria, and for three years he besieged it. So this group of people from Assyria, the Assyrians come in, uh, come around Israel, and they invade the land, and they besiege the city. So they come around the city for three years, um, and they wait it out, and eventually they overtake Israel. It says in, the, in verse 6, it says, In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria, captured Samaria, and he carried the Israelites away to Assyria. Uh, and so he comes in, and he takes, so the people of Assyria come in, and they take uh, the people of Israel, and they take them back to Assyria. So they take them out of the, the promised land that God brought them to. Take over that city, take them out, and take them back to Assyria. Then you go to Second Chronicles, and you see what happens to the second group of people. Uh, the people of Judah. Second Chronicles 36, 11. It says, Zedekiah was 21 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord his God. He did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet. Again, Jeremiah was sent to the people of Judah to tell them, hey, this is the direction you should go, and he just ignored it. So he did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet who spoke from the mouth of the Lord. He also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar who had made him swear by God. He stiffened his neck and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord, the God of Israel. All the officers and the priests and the people likewise were exceedingly unfaithful, following all the ab abominations of the nations. And they polluted the house of the Lord and they made that he had made holy in Jerusalem. So following their leader, following the king, the people of Judah keep turning away from God even though there are people telling them to go this direction. Uh, again, Israel, Judah, they were supposed to stand out. They were supposed to look different than the other nations around them. And it says they followed after 
all the abominations of the nations around them and polluted the house of the Lord. And then it says in verse 15, the Lord, the God of their fathers, sent persistently to them by his messengers because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. I think that verse is the same, the same thing that I just said about my kids. I don't like to punish them. He didn't want to punish his people. It says he persistently sent messengers to them to try to get them to go the direction that they should go. And he had compassion on his people. And he gave, him, gave them chance after chance after chance. But then in, uh, you see in verse 16 it says, But they kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his words and scoffing at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people until there was no remedy. So they kept ignoring, kept ignoring, kept ignoring. So he had to finally punish them. Therefore, he brought up against them the king of the Chaldeans or uh, the king of Babylon. He gave them all into his hand. Uh, verse 19, it says, They burned down the house of God and broke down the wall of Jerusalem and burned all of its palaces with fire and destroyed all of its precious vessels. He took into exile in Babylon those who had escaped from the sword. And they became servants to him and his sons until the establishment of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah. All the days that it lay desolate, it, it kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. So this, this other nation, Babylon, comes in and takes over Judah. And it says anybody that didn't die, that wasn't killed, uh, they were taken to Babylon and they became servants to the people in Babylon. And it said they were in exile taking out of their land in Babylon, they were in exile for 70 years. So it's like people coming in here and taking you out of Nacogdoches, out of Texas, if Syrians came in, right? That's where we're at right now today. If they came in and they took over and they took us back to Syria, that'd be horrible. Exiled for 70 years. So for 70 years, these people were taken out of their home and put in this place that was a foreign land to them. But God had told them through prophets that that was going to happen, and they just ignored it. Uh, if they didn't go that direction, if they didn't follow God, that that was going to happen, and they just ignored it. There's punishment for and consequences for the decisions that we make. The punishment, like I said earlier, the punishment for sin is death. That's what Scripture says. That's what you see all throughout. Like the punishment of sin is death. A lot of people died in that being overtaken by Babylon, being overtaken by Assyria. A lot of people died. Their punishment for their sin and their disobedience was death. So here's where Christ comes in. So if you skip forward to Romans. Romans chapter 5. Starting in verse 6, it says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps a good person, for a good person one would dare to even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justifi justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were the enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more that now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So all that's saying is that in Jesus, we have been saved from the wrath of God that should be poured out on us. Because again, Romans 3.23 says, 
the wages of sin, the consequences of sin is death. But Romans 6.23 says we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we all have broken the rules. No matter how good you think you are, everybody's screwed up. But here's what makes us different than the people of Israel, the people of Judah. Is we don't have to pay with our lives for sin. That's why Jesus is so good and that's why it matters so much is that he came in, he died on the cross, he took the punishment that I deserved, he took the punishment that you deserved. He, even though the punishment of, of sin is death, Jesus took that punishment for us. He took the punishment that we all deserve. So I want you to see something. So we're going to have a little, uh, little illustration here. I want you to really get this. I think, if I think about what has made me grow as a Christian more than anything else, if I had to boil it down, like what really makes me grow? What really made me believe that God is everything that he said he is and has made me like want to follow him more and has made me really want to do those things. So as I was thinking about that, I thought like, what? Was it like just an experience that I, that I had? Like what is it that really, what truth did I understand or what was it that, that has really made me grow more throughout the years than anything else? And I think it's two things. Well, I think it's believing this statement, that we are all far more sinful than we ever think we are, and we're all far more loved than we ever believe we are. So you're far more sinful than you think you are, and you're far more loved than you think you are. And so how, how have I grown? I think, I think how I and any believer grows is that you grow in your understanding of your sinfulness, just how bad you are. You understand that more over time. And then you grow in your understanding of just how good God is and his love for you. So over the years, as, I, as I've thought about how I've grown in Christ, I understand far more how sinful and messed up I am. And I understand far more how, how much God loves me. And so I think, so we, you read this verse, right, these verses that are... Um, that goes along with this verse. And so Romans 5 is what I was reading from about while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But then you go on and, you, and, and Paul tells us in Romans 8, which this is really popular. Most of you have probably heard this. Romans 8, 35, uh, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Uh, and then you skip down to 37, it says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so I want to drive that home, right? That, that, so take this as us, right? Kind of dirty and beat up and... Uh, some holes in it and some chips off of it. Like, think of this as you. Simple, dirty, messed up. Uh, 
not the prettiest thing in the world when it comes to our lives. There's a lot of cracks in here. If you look closely, it's, again, there's actual dirt on it. Um, who knows? There might be bugs in this. Um, but there's, like, cracks in it, and there's holes in it. And the longer you live life, the more you understand that how much you really look like this. Like sinful and messed up, right? And, and then you have this a lot prettier piece of wood that's supposed to represent God. Okay, cleaner, obviously, looks a lot different. Uh, bigger. Uh, and so I think we have this thought that like, okay, if the love of Christ really doesn't, like I can't be separated from that, then, I mean, wood glue is what this is. And it is made to bond wood, believe it or not. And so maybe you have that thought of like, well, I understand that verse as the love of Christ will never separate me from him. Like I can't be separated from that. Once I've put my, my trust in Christ, there's nothing I can do that can separate me from him. And so this stuff actually... I let it dry a little bit longer, right? It'll stick. Anybody used wood glue before? It'll stick, right? Eventually it'll stick to where you can hold it like this and it won't fall off. But even with wood glue, if I threw it on the concrete out there, what would happen? This right here. It's probably going to come apart, right? I mean, you could throw it long. I mean, if like somebody like Nathan threw it, it would like really come apart, you know? Look at those guns. Uh, so you throw it hard enough, you pull hard enough. If Nathan and Blake got together and they both pulled on both sides, this thing has no chance. It's coming apart, right? And so if that's your, I think some of you, like, that's your view of how the love of Christ. Like, yeah, I know he loves me, but if this happens or if I were to do this, then it, it's probably going to come apart. Like, it'll stick. But if something really heavy comes, like something heavy in my life comes, or, or I just make a really big, stupid decision, like that's going gonna, gonna to change things. And, and, and more accurate is this idea that uh, it's not just wood glue, right? Now we're going to see how this really goes. I don't know. Let me get my tool belt here. But, I mean, this will help the stability of it for sure. Right? Hope it doesn't go through all the way. Watch your fingers. That went into the table. So definitely more secure, right? Still a little wobbly on this end, but more secure. You can pull it out still, Nathan. I know. You're really strong. Uh, I'll do it this way. But what I hope you see is that, that God sees it more like this, right? That sure we're a little bit dirty. Oh, not yet. Sure we're a little bit beat up. But This love that he has for us, 
is going to stick. And the fact that this is what he died for. Right, this is what he died so that you would understand. Is that there's nothing that you can do for this, in, this perp, in this illustration, right, that can separate these two boards. And I think he wants to drive that home in all of you. That he wants to drive that home, that there's nothing, nothing. that will separate you. And, and if that's not secure enough, I mean, I'm putting all my carpentry skills or lack thereof on display tonight, so bear with me, right? We'll see if this works. Oh, now I have these two nails in here. Okay, it's a start. Where are my safety goggles? Sorry. I think I just stripped that screw. Don't worry. I didn't uh, calculate the uh, tips of the nails going through. Let's do that. It's just getting more secure. Say what? So if you've ever done anything like this before, is a nail, is a screw more secure than a nail? Why? Say what? Yeah, because of the grooves around it, right? As it, as it goes in, it's digging into the wood. Hmm? Not bad? Oh. We'll stop there. Well, the point, you get the point, right? That... Here, I can even make that an illustration too, right? And some of you, it's a lot harder for God to get this point in, right, and get this point across. That you make it difficult. That this wood makes it difficult. But guess what? He's going to keep hammering that home. He'll keep drilling that in for you. Yeah? That you are loved by him. So I don't want you to miss that. That the more, the more, so we could take the time and we could screw in all these screws. And the more screws that are in there, the more secure it gets. More nails that are in there, the more secure it gets. But what I, what I hope you see is that that scripture, that God loves you, right? That what he's saying is, when he says that all these things for I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation. Anything else in all creation. Not that stuff that you looked up on the computer last night. 
not that test that you cheated on today, not that kid that you made fun of today in that whole situation, not that boyfriend or girlfriend that you've gone too far with, not that time when you knew God was telling you to do something but you were too scared and you ignored him. Nothing. It says nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Like, I, if you don't get anything else, get that. Like, not your parents getting divorced and your reaction or lack of reaction to that. Nothing. If you put your trust in Christ and what he's done on the cross, and you understand that, that he is the only one that saves us, he is the only one that, that can take that punishment, if he took that punishment for us, once you get that, once you understand that, once you put your trust in him, you cannot be taken or separated from that love. And I understand that so much more in my life now than I did 10 years ago. We are now, because of Jesus paying the debt that I owed, that you owed, because of Jesus taking the punishment that we deserved, we are now free from the eternal consequences of our sin. Sure, there'll be consequences if you make dumb decisions. There'll be consequences. But the eternal consequences are no longer because of Jesus and what he's done. And you can't be separated from that. Know that, believe that, and how do you respond to that? Like, what's your response to that? What's your response to the fact that Jesus paid for everything for you and took the punishment that you deserve? I hope it's one that says, that's like full of thanks and praise. Because that's what it should cause in us, that if we understand this, that we put our trust in Christ, that when we sing about those things, when we think about those things, when we think about how dead we were and how much punishment we deserved, and then he took that from us, like that should cause us to dance as much as it would cause my kids to be super excited if, one of their, if their brother or sister took their punishment for them. I, I love it when my kids thank me. I was thinking about that, that we do all kinds of stuff. We went to Disney this summer, uh, and Disney costs a lot of money. I don't know if you guys knew that. Uh, and and we, we went to the beach and we do these things, and like when our kids are thankful and they have thankful hearts and they show us that and they tell us that, that makes all those things so much better. Why? Because I, I know when they thank me, it's not just I want to feel good. I know when they thank me that they understand the value of what they're getting. Does that make sense? That by thanking me and by say, saying the things and being excited, that shows me that they, they understand the value of what's happening. So think about that in our relationship with God, that if we understand what Jesus has done, and you thank him and you praise him for that, then that means you understand the value of what God has done. But if you're like, oh, yeah, it's kind of cool that Jesus died on the cross for me. It's neat. And, or if you just flat out ignore it. You don't understand what's happened. Because if you actually understand what's happened, then you're going to be excited and thankful and praise that and praise him. But if you have no thankfulness in your heart and no praise in your heart for what Jesus has done, then you don't get it. Like it's a love that can never be taken from me. That's security. That's what we talked about last week, refuge. That's what it means to me. It's this, it's this place I can always go to because I know I'm loved perfectly. 
And it doesn't change. And so I'm super thankful for that. And it causes me to praise him when I understand what he's done. And so that's my, my hope for you as we end tonight, that you would just be thankful, that you would understand what Jesus has done, that you would focus on that, that you would dwell on that, that you would see that God is so good for that, that he saved us from eternal punishment that we deserve. And that you would thank him for that. It's easy to forget. It's easy to uh, be numb to stuff because you've heard it so many times. I was thinking about that today. Like, it's easy for me. Um, we're fostering to adopt right now. And this, and this little boy that most of you have probably seen. Um, some of you have seen in person. Some of you have just seen in the back of his head in pictures probably. Because uh, we're not allowed to post his face on social media. Um, but Duncan has been with us for five months now. And he turns one uh, next month. And, and I was looking at him today, and I was thinking how much I take that for granted already. I, there's so many things that I can't wait for you guys to hear if you haven't heard uh, his story. But there's so many reasons uh, he shouldn't be with us. Like, we shouldn't even have him in our home. And, and quite honestly, he shouldn't even be alive because of what he's been through. He, he shouldn't be alive. And it's crazy that something that big and that deep and that powerful, and he's in my house every day, that I can forget the weight of that really quickly, if that makes sense. Because I see him all the time, and it's like, it, be, it becomes normal. Don't do that with the gospel. Like Jesus paid for our sin. Eternal punishment, eternal separation from God. That shouldn't get normal to us. It's grace that we don't deserve. It's things that we don't deserve. And so I just pray that you would think about that and try to think about that in a clear way tonight of like, man, this is something that is so huge that I hope I never take for granted. And I hope always that you would grow in your, your understanding of, of just how much God loves you and just how sinful you are. And it just makes the cross bigger because that chasm between how bad you are and how good God is gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the cross has to get bigger in the midst of that.